Hello and welcome. My name's Karen O'Connor and you're listening to the amazing Menopause, Marriage and Motherhood. Hello and welcome to part two of my interview with Dr. Wendy Sweet. Wendy Sweet has a PhD in women's health and ageing and she specialises in menopause, particularly sleep and weight gain and all those kind of things. I've done a lot of research about the foods that are heat generating foods that we shouldn't be having at night and that actually increase insulin because insulin interferes with melatonin. Anyway, I have not time to go into that, but it's one of the secrets on my program. <laughs> the woman go, oh my God, I can sleep. <laughs> because they've changed their food at night. Because they're and one of the one of the things I get them, and you'll relate to this being from Australia, is to stop eating huge amounts of um, protein at night. Protein is thermogenic. That's the term given to the energy that protein produces, which is heat generation generating. So the term thermogenic means heat generating. And that term, when you look at protein from that perspective, which I was doing as part of my sport and exercise physiology and nutrition, then you understand that that one of the problems we have from a cultural perspective is the fact that we're all eating as if we're working on the land and having these enormous meals at night, which they don't do in the Mediterranean countries, but they, they don't do in countries that, that have most of their food, the bulk of their food in the middle of the day. And you know that when you we go to Europe and everything's closed for two hours because they have their food in the middle of the day. So it's really fascinating when you look at how we live our lives from a societal and cultural perspective and how that is impacting on menopause and our symptoms and then, of course, our health as we age. Mm. What causes the weight gain during menopause? Because your body just seems to Mm. change overnight on what you used to be able to eat. And I'm talking about my my own personal experience here. Mm. Me too, yeah. You can't digest it. It sits Mm. on your stomach like a lump of lead and you start Mm. putting on weight. What's all that about? It's about the liver. It's about the liver. And you mentioned that you had started my masterclass, but you haven't got up to the liver part yet. So you can listen to that over the holiday break. The liver is changes. Again, putting on my aging hat, There are a lot of changes that go on with all of our organs as we age. Now, what's fascinating is that aging, older age, is 55 to 60 plus. So we're not looking at at someone who's over 70 or 80. The aging literature and the changes that occur as we start to lose estrogen and progesterone and our master hormones is actually due to the changes that are occurring in our liver. We lose 20% of the size of our liver by the time women are 62 um, to 65. We, Our gallbladder loses 20% of its function to produce bile. So if you're on that high keto diet, which worked when you were in your 40s, but now it's not working when you're in, the, in your late 50s, you've got a diet that's way too high in fat for your changing liver. And I have hundreds of women who have said to me in emails, 
I was on the keto diet, but it's making me put on weight. And the, the minute they say that to me, I either ask them their age and stage, or I, if they've joined the program, I look at their health screening form, and invariably they're 55 plus they're, they're, because they're now post-menopause. And so they're eating way too much fat, saturated fat, for their liver health. And so that's one aspect. The other aspect is for the women who are getting bigger. And I didn't know that there were bras with G cups until I needed one. And it was the it was the most upsetting and distressing thing. I've always been well endowed, but I was turning into my grandmother, whose party trick when we were children was to put a cup of tea on and saucer and rested on her boobs and I suddenly thought oh my god I'm turning into my grandmother and and it makes when you're in exercises you've been it's really really uncomfortable so I had no idea that there was a condition called estrogen dominance and it's getting a lot more I guess dialogue now on the internet but estrogen I thought to myself well what on earth is this estrogen dominance and when I read about it it made so much sense because we know through puberty that, that there are girls that put on weight with puberty uh, as it comes through puberty and they're the girls that stay really thin and skinny Okay, well, it's it's a bit it's exactly the same throughout our lives. You can look at, I look at women everywhere, and I go, oh yes, you're estrogen dominant, and and you're not. You're one of the skinny binnies. Whereas the girls who put on lots of weight, they have a genetic tendency to store more fat, and the reason that they store more fat is because our fat cells have a really have the highest number of estrogen receptors particularly breast cells and cells in our liver. So I'm not just talking about the superficial fat, but inside we've got fat around our liver and heart and all sorts of places. So if we have a propensity to, if we've got a high number of estrogen receptors, then those estrogen receptors as we come through menopause get a bit confused. Estrogen is declining naturally but we're still getting estrogen in our environment. And we now know about xenoestrogens, um, which are from plastics and food. We know that there are foods that are high in estrogen. Eggs and chicken are the highest estrogen foods. We know that there are estrogen in, in lots of foods because women take bio-identical hormones, thinking that they're natural, but they're all made in a factory. So they're not, you know, natural at all. They're all still pharmaceuticals. And those are made from yams and black cohosh and all of these foods that are high estrogen. But for the woman putting on a lot of fat, a lot of size, they don't need that amount of estrogen. And if they're taking a hormone replacement medication, which, you know, is absolutely fine because it works in different ways, but the big ladies, and I took it as well, but I reckon I put on another five kilos within within a month because I didn't realize that my liver was um, not coping with all getting, trying to get rid of all the estrogen. And I was eating a lot of eggs and protein because of the fitness industry. Eat more protein, get more bigger. The paleo diet 
but it didn't suit me. It suits the thinner woman. So what happens is that the women who are putting on lots of weight, it's yes, it's estrogen dominance. Yes, it's not sleeping. So we burn fat overnight. And if you're not sleeping, your insulin stays higher. So therefore, you can be storing more glucose as fats. And the other thing is that in the bigger ladies, and I, no one knows until they have a blood test done, so I'm kind of talking generally here, but they may have a propensity to produce more testosterone. And testosterone, of course, makes you bigger. And if you think about, you said you were going to the gym, and I've been working in and around the fitness environment for years, and I started to understand that a lot of the information that comes to us as we reach our 50s is kind of a one-size-fits-all. And it's the same information for women, whether they're big or whether they're smaller and leaner. And for the bigger ladies, they need to be doing more cardio. They don't need to be doing heavy weights because, and if they eat a high-protein diet and they do heavy weights, they're going to get bigger. (laughs) So, hello, and yet they go to the gym to lose weight. Hello. And then the trainer puts them on a high-protein diet and they're getting bigger and they're saying, well, I can't fit my jeans. I can't do up my jeans. And they're going through menopause. So their estrogen and progesterone is all messed up. And I argued in my doctoral studies that there is not one course on menopause for personal trainers and people who are working in that domain trying to help women lose weight. So that's one of the problems is that women, and we talked about this at the start, women are being trained the same way as someone in their 20s who does still have estrogen and progesterone. And I've seen myself over the years, you said that you've discovered Pilates. Well, from the gyms that I've been around in New Zealand over, over the years and in and out quite a number of them, I could see that women were self-selecting because the yoga classes were growing, but the CrossFit classes only had about three people in them. And I could see this as well as hearing a lot of the fabulous researchers that I was listening to as well. So it does become very, very confusing. Yeah. But women, going back to your point about women who are putting on a lot of weight, their liver is changing. A lot of women end up with irritable bowel syndrome and gut health problems. So their gut health is changing. Uh, Peristalsis, which is the, the motility of your gut, slows down as we get older. And also the women who are bigger have have a propensity to um, pick up estrogen from any types of sources around the body, go and store that in fat cells. And if they're not sleeping, then that's they're not burning fat overnight. So the foundation to turning around all our symptoms from weight gain to, uh, and conversely, a lot of women become too thin as they come through menopause. So they're losing muscle. And, you know, we all kind of lose muscle. One minute you've got a butt and then you don't have one anymore. (laughs) And the arms, they go. So we get quite confused. So we're losing muscle. We're... We're not sleeping and we start to then accumulate changes in the body that are inflammatory. So that's where it's at. That is menopause. (laughs) 
And so we've got to understand that this is this time of our lives. We have to change how we look after ourselves. And if I can lose 20 kilos, anyone can. And that's why I have the Transform Me weight loss program. But I did that by putting science into menopause and looking at aging science, looking at weight loss for women who are are 50 plus, not weight loss for women who are 25 and can handle doing those hard workouts and burning calories that way. I think that's a really good point. And and the other thing that I find quite interesting but and, and upsetting is there is when we come to puberty and we get into our early 20s and those changes and we look on them as it's a positive thing, okay, let's deal with it. But mm. there's a lot of negativity around going into menopause and being post-menopausal mm. Mm. as opposed to just being it's a stage of life and we have to change Mm. our expectations Mm. of ourselves we have to change um the way we do things the way we eat the way we sleep we've just got to make Mm. changes because that's just where we are at Mm. so how do you let go of all that negative how have you let go of all that negative self-talk about being menopausal and post-menopausal well I think the first thing for me was finally understanding what was going on you know, because I, my mother never spoke about menopause and, and my friends never spoke about menopause and you feel like you're the only person in the world. And when I'd be up in the United Kingdom or in Australia, I remember going to Cairns and doing a seminar and 200 women in the room. And when I said, who has got sore joints? Nearly every single hand went up in the room and that they even was looking around and laughing because they went, oh, my God, I'm not the only one. So first and foremost, uh, for me, it was understanding that bookend moment. And I talk about that in my seminar. Understanding, wow, I had no idea that I, that my body was going to change and that I would be transitioning into this, this time of life. So that was number one for me personally there was suddenly a reason for my symptoms. It wasn't just me being, you know, emotional and yelling at the, forgetting I've only got two children, but, you know, I'd get their names mixed up or, and just, and, and, and losing the plot all the time and thinking, what is going on? And then understanding the reason I was feeling so uncomfortable was the heat generation in the body that for me personally, and I think a lot of bigger women find that. So finding a reason for that and, and looking at menopause, I think that the first and foremost positioning menopause in aging research, I had my head in aging research, it took me six, over six years to do my PhD. I just did it part-time, but every single day I was reading the research about the vulnerability of this age and stage of life and thinking about my own mother who was relatively healthy all her life and arrived in her early 60s and suddenly was put on heart pills and statins and her joints were sore and you know and I think a lot of women of our mother's generation had we've seen that so really starting to think about well what is actually going on And then thinking about the role of inflammation as we age, 
And, and so first and foremost, I took a physiological approach to it, a very pragmatic, this is what's going on biologically um, and physiologically. There's all these changes going on in positioning menopause and ageing. But then, of course, the next thing, which was it took a long time to pull the pieces together, but understanding our life and the life course. And I can't emphasize that enough with women and your listeners, Karen, because we have had to put up with so much coming through our life around change in society. And we've accumulated, well, I think we've, our generation invented the word stress. And we, when we sit, when you sit back and I felt really stressed, I felt stressed because I was feeling anxious. I was forgetting. I once left a cup of tea in my beautiful teacup in the microwave for three days. I couldn't find it. So that stressed me out, you know, and the kids are so much more demanding. I had sporting children. They required to be taken to practices. I always seemed, I seemed to live in my car and yet, still working and got the home going on and busy husband and and everything else. And when you look at the studies on stress and women's health and ageing, the SWAN studies out of America have been phenomenal to position our stress in not only the physical oxidative stress, but the psychological stress. And our, you know, we're so different for men. And the the number one source of stress in in this American study, which was part of the Women's Health Across the Nation study, 180,000 nurses were interviewed. And their number one source of stress was agreeing with their partners on how to bring up the teenagers. (laughs) And financial stress was next. So there are sources of, and, and yes, we're talking about America, but you can just think about, wow, that makes so much sense to me. And these women, these sources of stress. And then there was the workplace stress. And then there was the family dynamics. And then there was everything else. So we kind of, at you know, as women, we're often at the bottom of the pile in terms of how looking after ourselves. And I, I think for me, I thought, wow, if I'm going to turn around my health, and I knew I had to lose weight, I was heading on this trajectory where everything was heading towards heart problems and heart health and having a stroke and all that sort of thing. And I just didn't feel comfortable. And I haven't been overweight all my life, but I have been a high exerciser all my life. And I had no idea that it was a perfect storm, the not sleeping, the feeling stressed, not only in my body, but with work and, you know, everything going on in my life. And then exercise, the type of exercise I was doing, a lot of the high impact, high intensity, that's another source of stress on your body. And something has to give. And there's no surprise that the divorce rate, (laughs) one in four women get divorced in their 50s. And if you think about it, if they've got partners in their 50s, then the partner, if they've got a male partner, the male partner is going into a low testosterone, high estrogen environment. It's why all the guys get big guts and put on a lot of weight. So they're becoming estrogen dominant. And then the woman, if they've still got their ovaries, we secrete testosterone. So we get a bit feisty. And it's like World War III out there. And I think you do, you just get, I got to the point and I so relate to women. I used to talk about this in my in my seminars, but I just so relate because I thought, what? I'm doing so much for everyone else. 
but I, I don't know how to look after me. And if you think about it, we brought up in, in quite a different environment. In New Zealand, I was brought up on a farm, so there was a huge emphasis on farming food, a lot of emphasis. Then I went, personally, I went nursing, so there was a lot, of, a lot of shift work and a lot of change in my sleep patterns. And then the fitness industry, a lot of emphasis on different foods and what to eat and what not to eat. And I arrived in my 50s and I thought, I feel really confused about how to look after me because I've been so busy looking after everyone else throughout my life that I don't know enough with all the sports nutrition for the kids. And I had a rugby player son and he's now a a top skier and a daughter who was a, a competitive swimmer. And so the food, all the food was for them. And, and I think a lot of women come arrive in midlife from 45 to 60 and go, well, I'm pretty confused <laughs> about what to do. And I, you know, and plus we've got all of the, I haven't ever mentioned the the media and the emphasis on Hollywood housewives, heaven forbid. And a lot of that, a lot of that influence, which which has come throughout our lifetime. So for me, it's it was knowledge. And, and that's how I've approached the programs that I run is giving women the knowledge that they need to then reflect and reflect on, well, how could I start to get more olive oil in my diet to help my joints? How could I turn around my circadian rhythm? How could I maybe prepare a few meals in the weekend so I'm not slaving on a hot stove when my body is at its hottest at 7 o'clock at night, you know? How can I maybe bring my wine o'clock to five o'clock and not nine o'clock at night because my husband's pouring me a wine at nine o'clock at night because that's what he wants to relax. But actually all that sugar is putting up your insulin, which is totally blocking off alcohol goes is, is goes through the blood-brain barrier and that totally prevents melatonin from increasing. So if women aren't sleeping and having that wine at nine o'clock at night because hubby's pouring it or the partner's pouring it for them, then you have to learn to say, no, pour me a sparkling water instead. I'll have my wine with dinner, like the Mediterranean way. Does that make sense? I say to women, it's not about big changes. It's actually about it's almost taking back control. If you want to control your symptoms of menopause and if you want to lose weight, you have to you have to be determined and, and you have to be determined in the home and think about the people who influence you in the home. You know, my I found myself personally that because I was doing so much high-intensity activity, I was craving sugar at 6 o'clock at night. Well, you know, that bag of licorice all sorts gets eaten <laughs> while you're making dinner or the wine gets drunk while you're making dinner. But that wasn't, the, that was my body telling me that I needed sugar because I wasn't eating properly throughout the day and because I was doing too much exercise and my brain and liver and muscles were craving sugar. And when were they craving sugar? You know, after dinner. So you you eat that chocolate cake and you go through the, instead of two squares of chocolate, you have the whole block of chocolate. So we know a lot more about the relationship with behavior 
and things going on in our day. And and just going back to what you were saying before about being a synchronised swimmer, I still remember the day I walked across the gym to the swimming pool, knowing that my body needed no more impact, knowing that I, my joints were so sore and I felt so... I was in, we, we live in pain because we tolerate that type of exercise. And I just knew that my body needed to swim. And the minute I started swimming was the minute I improved my aerobic fitness and started to lose weight because my body didn't feel as stressed. And the minute I stopped doing heavy weights and high intensity exercise was also the minute that I stopped craving sugar. So you have to make some choices. And I think that there's a lot of women who are making the wrong choices because they don't understand what's going on. So to me, it's it's the knowledge that is critical and the knowledge empowers you to then make a few decisions around just changing things up a bit. I think the big thing that I'm getting from you is that we need to acknowledge that we're not going to be the same our whole lives. Just because we've Mm. gone through puberty, we don't stay the same. And then Mm. we don't hit old age and we sit in a chair and Mm. eat mushy food and and then we die. We've got to acknowledge that, first of all, we're different creatures to our husbands or partners Mm. because I have to ask... I get exactly what you're saying about the alcohol. My husband, he'll go, do you want a glass of wine? I'm like, it makes me, I don't sleep when I have a glass of wine. So it's really great you said that. Yeah. And I think it's just acknowledging that we are different creatures. We change over time and we've got Mm. to take care. If we had a horse, we take care of the horse dependent Mm. on its age. Mm. We exercise it dependent on its age. But Mm. we don't give ourselves that same permission to do that. Mm. Mm, absolutely and what excites me is and what calmed me down was understanding that menopause needs to be looked at through the aging literature and that was the key and there's been so much of that that hasn't got to our generation it hasn't got to our cohort and I'm just fascinated by the fact that we can actually age healthily and age well and and if women are arriving in their late 40s and perimenopause and they're already not aging well then they're going to have a tough time in menopause and I sit back and I go wow what's all this thyroid problems our mother's generation never had the thyroid problems and yet every woman I talk to knows whether they're high thyroid or low thyroid or (laughs) and so you you look at that and you go why why is that happening and it's happening in if in their 40s and 50s because your thyroid is aging and it's changing and you produce less (laughs) thyroxine but if you have iodine in your diet natural iodine from plants you and you have a little bit of seafood you're going to get enough iodine it's like iron perimenopause we're still menstruating postmenopause we're not menstruating our iron requirements go from 12 to 15 milligrams in perimenopause down to six to eight milligrams in postmenopause doesn't that make sense we don't need the iron in our diet because we're not menstruating anymore that was another revelation. And high iron in postmenopause, as you're coming through menopause and postmenopause, if your iron is really high, you'll get more hot flushes. Your body wants is trying to get rid of the heat. Yeah. 
That makes sense. I've got that in the masterclass, Karen. So keep listening to the masterclass. (laughs) But doesn't that make sense? All these little things and you go, that makes so much sense. I haven't got a period anymore. I'm not menstruating. I haven't got a heavy period. Yeah. But women who do have a heavy period and perimenopause, Mm -hmm. which when when their periods are fluctuating, if they have got a heavy period, they are probably low iron and low B12, which is keeping them awake at night because your body is trying to heal and regenerate overnight. So I always say, get your iron levels checked, get your B12 checked. And those symptoms of of night sweats and not sleeping are the same as female athletes who end up with low iron because they are overtraining. So that was my little join the dots, matching sports science with the physiology of perimenopause, low iron. Mm. Wow, (laughs) I am so glad that uh, Mariah connected Mm. us. I cannot Mm. tell you. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Can you just tell me now, give me your website address and the details of your programs. I will put them up on the web page that goes with this podcast. Mm-hmm. So you'll be able to find them if you don't, um, if you can't write them down in time. But just mm. go ahead and tell everybody a little bit about what you got on. Okay. Thank you, Karen, for the opportunity. So as part of as part of all this knowledge that, that I was getting, I decided that I wanted that we girls weren't getting this information. So what I've done is I've set up a website called My Menopause Transformation, which sounds a bit kind of, you know, bit bit wacky. However, that's how I felt. And I explain that in the video so they can listen to videos. I've got two different programs. One is for larger women. It's called Transform Me, and that's a weight loss program. But within that, there's the hot flushes and sore joints and gut health. So there's different modules. The, the, the one for the thinner, leaner woman is called Circuit Breaker. And when I first started on this, I only had one program, and it was called Circuit Breaker. And I called it that because I, my son was off to university to do engineering, and we were at one of those open days. And the lecturer was giving a, an overview of the lecture. And he put up this, this picture of a circuit of an, an, an electrical circuit breaker, and he kept talking about the circuit breaker with stopping things. And I sat there and I thought, wow. That's what we all need. We've got to stop our symptoms. So how do we stop our symptoms? So I've called it circuit breaker, but that's for the thinner, leaner woman. There's two different, all the nutrition comes with that. There's two different food guides. I am not into counting calories or anything. It's They're based on the Mediterranean diet, but I've used aging research to help women's health research to unpick the Mediterranean diet and put in information about the nutrients we need. So magnesium for our blood vessels, beetroot and celery are two vegetables that have nitrates, which help to dilate our blood vessels. So that improves our health as we age. So all my ladies end up on beetroot and celery and, you know, things. So all that information's in the food guide. But if women in those programs go for 12 weeks, they're progressive delivery and I have, they can get hold of me and I have my private coaching groups, but that information's on the website. But there is a masterclass on menopause, which I've alluded to throughout this interview. And that's just my two-hour webinar. And you can pause me anytime because it's all pre-recorded. 
and there's just a very small admin fee. I think I think it's fifteen dollars New Zealand, but I think it's which must be I don't know thirteen or fourteen dollars in Australia, depending on the exchange rate. I like women to start with that because it gives you the overview of where I'm coming from, and there's lots of solutions in there as well. So there Thank we go. Thank you so much. I have so enjoyed this conversation. It's been really enlightening, and you really have connected a lot of the dots mm. for me. Mm. Been fantastic. Yeah, and I still am, you know, as, uh, with the fabulous researchers. And there's a lot of fabulous Australian researchers as well. We've got uh, Professor Jenny Brandmiller, who's from Sydney University, who does the low glycemic index diet. You've got Wendy Robertson that I've alluded to. There's Rosemary Stanton has got fantastic gut health information. So what I've done is I've just pulled all that information together, taken sleep research out of uh, NASA, depression. We haven't even talked about depression, but I've really got into the depression research. I've never been depressed in my life until I arrived in menopause. (laughs) So that's what I've done. I've kind of put on the physiology hat, put on my ability to draw on this information and look at the body as a whole and look at it for our generation who are exercising we're active we've you know still got young families a lot of women so that's where I've come from so so thank you for allowing me to chat Karen it's been great it's been an absolute joy and and that was actually this is another tangent I could go off on because we're having children later so we've still Mm. got reasonably young children as we're hitting Mm perimenopause and Mm. I wonder how that impacts us but that is another conversation it is another conversation because the older you are having children the more menopause is delayed but you are still aging inside so you might still get you might still be get your periods but the life course with your reproductive hormones in your brain your master hormones are starting to decline fascinating and the same with if you've had in early puberty, if you have puberty at what nine, ten, or eleven, then you go into an early menopause. And in the, I've just written about this in the Hadza tribal woman in um, Tanzania in, in Africa. The time their period stops is forty-two years old. Fascinating. There's been a researcher from the UK who has spent three years talking to the Hadza woman of Tanzania about periods and their hormonal cycles and what they eat and menopause and perimenopause. Fascinating. I feel very passionate about women feeling empowered and knowledgeable about this stage and stage of life. Thank you so much, Wendy. It's been nice to meet you, Karen. Thank you. Head on over to the website for more information about this episode and more information about my guests. And don't forget to subscribe. We'll love you forever. Thanks so much for tuning in. See you next week. Bye.